Welcome back to Freedom Machines with Freddie Dobbs. Apologies for, well, I think I'm probably about two or three days later than I'd usually like to because... One moment. Oh, oh that's good. I've got... Well, I'm back from Barcelona. Got back from Barcelona yesterday. I was four days there with Monica. I'm now sitting on the balcony or actually just inside the balcony so the audio is okay beautiful day in Tenerife blue skies 27 degrees clear view of the volcano behind me and I've got myself a glass of oh, it's dangerously addictive this stuff banana liqueur I think it's about 30 percent looks worryingly yellow like completely almost like it should be toxic yellow, four cubes of ice, and you just have one sip every so often. It is so delicious. I've also become, not addicted, I haven't had that much actually, but a real fan of banana wine as well, which is a speciality of Tenerife. Banana wine, banana liqueur. I hope I can find it when we leave Tenerife, wherever we go. I don't know where we're going, but must, must be able to find it. It is amazing. So I thought, Back from Barcelona yesterday, I have to I have to squeeze in a podcast. I like to do an update at least once a week. So just before I finish the week, here we go. Let's get the show on the road. I want to start with Barcelona because I was there with Monica for four days. And my God, Barcelona is a real, a real biking city. And what I mean by that is it's perfectly absolutely perfectly set up for bikers the roads are really big and they're very wide so they're perfect for accommodating a cycle and electric scooter lane brilliant and they're everywhere they fit in perfectly so they're pretty much everywhere it's a dream for cyclists loads of space incredibly clearly marked out cycle lanes but also so many people use motorbikes or you know, uh, what do you call them, scooters, not electric scooters, but motorbikes, scooters, things like Vespers. And the great thing, the thing I love about it is that, see, if you look at London, women don't technically, don't technically, women don't tend to ride motorbikes or scooters or Vespers. They just don't see it as a real mode of transport. I know some do, and that's brilliant. But by and large, as a whole, they just don't do it. And certainly when you get over a certain age, you don't see many older people on two wheels. I mean, motorized two wheels, motorbikes and scooters and mopeds. But in Barcelona, you'll get 17-year-old girls riding scooters. You'll get 80-year-old men riding scooters. You'll get a husband picking up his wife on a scooter. You'll get them dropping off their child on a motorbike or a scooter. It's a way of life using a motorbike or a scooter out there in a way that it... And Monica said it's probably because of the weather in London, and I'm sure it's true. But in a way that in London, we just haven't kind of picked up on that yet. And it makes perfect sense, especially in the city. Okay, it was 15 degrees in December in Barcelona, so it was lovely biking weather. We were biking all over the place, and I'll get to what we used in a second, but we were biking all over the place happily, no gloves, nothing needed, just whatever clothes you're wearing. This is what's so magical about scooters over motorbikes. Uh, and I'll get onto that in a second. Weather, weather-wise, 
in general motorbikes and scooters they're they're not prevalent they're they're not you know it's not really seen by the masses as a a realistic mode of transport yes you have the weather but i just think london in general is not that well set up for motorbikers the roads you realize when you compare to barcelona the roads are tiny in london there are so many tiny tiny roads i i don't know what we can do in london to make it more motorcycle friendly because in barcelona it was heaven every single day was a joy and i just don't know what we can do i don't know what we can do in in london to make it more motorbike friendly because motorbikes and scooters they are an incredibly strong argument for easing traffic in our cities i mean barcelona have a lot of pedestrianized streets and i almost think that look if you're going to like in london if you're going to be reducing the number of lanes for example four lanes have reduced to two lanes and then the the extra lanes that they've saved they go into cycle lanes that's brilliant but it's just so congested it's painful the roads are too small i almost think that if you're going to congest it that much flip it around even more you know turn those two lanes into one way a one-way system or like in barcelona just pedestrianize but pedestrianize the whole load of the center of the city some people are going to be hugely put out by this and i get that because i was an ocado delivery driver delivering groceries it will be a pain but they will work it out i don't know how you'll have to get paid more for deliveries in the center and then the person ordering will have to pay more to get it delivered something has to work where we can make it more pleasant in london and be more like barcelona with how bicycle and motorbike friendly both bicycle and motorbikes and that brings me on to the next bit of this the vehicle we used first off barcelona amazing city so much so monica and i are considering relocating there after tenerife but and i've gone completely blank bear with me i'm I'm not even in a work mode at the moment because i've only just got back ah the vehicle the vehicle yego anyone going to barcelona have a look at this y-e-g-o monica found out about it a day before we got the day before we got to barcelona and it is an app that you download once you've downloaded the app you are informed to put in your a copy of your passport so you just take a photo of your passport through the app you then take a photo of your driving license through the app within the space of an hour you're then all set up i mean it only takes two minutes to set up but then they verify your passport and your driving license you're then completely set up you can then go to barcelona and look on the streets either look just visually or use the app to find where your nearest Yago scooter is. And these scooters are all lime green Vespa lookalike scooters that are 100% electric. No deposit needed at all. You just find where one is, go up to it, open up the app and the app will say Aladdin has 70% battery left and every scooter has its own specific name. So you look on the scooter, ah, yep, that one says Aladdin, that's Aladdin. And it says, do you want to take this scooter? Click yes and then pop. And the rear helmet, the rear back box opens and there are two helmets in every single one of these Yago scooters. So you open the back, the top box, take out a helmet each, one for Monica, one for myself jump on it no key at all you don't hear anything you don't even know it's on and you just very gradually twist the the throttle and there you go you're off it is 
the tamest little bike and so incredibly fun to experience Barcelona, Barcelona on. And then when you're done with it, you just leave it anywhere you want. You put the helmets back in and then the app says, do you want to end your journey? You click yes. It says, have you put your helmets back in? You click yes. And then it says, just take a photo of the bike to make sure it's nice and safely parked. Do that. Done. It immediately tells you how much you've spent. We usually spend around three pounds or so per maybe 15 minute journey from one place to another. And it is an absolutely game changing way of getting around a city. There's no pollution. You drop it off, pick it up whenever you want. And maybe this is an insight into the future of city transport because I didn't buy it until now. But after using this Yego app, I absolutely get it. It was a complete revelation experiencing the city. You know, I, I would rather get a scooter because you know with taxi drivers you have to wait for a taxi driver or an uber drive you have to wait they have their place definitely definitely it's not going to get rid of taxi drivers but for getting around towns when you're actually in the town itself and you just want to be able to do it on your own terms it's it's just so so brilliant and i'm not a fan of trains so I, you know i'll do anything i can to not have to get trains or buses or stuff like that i'll do anything i can to not use those so this is I can't tell you how good it is. I also know it's in other cities in Europe as well. Europe really is absolutely superb for this. So look out for Yego. It's in some French towns as well. If you go to Barcelona, I'm sure you all know it's an amazing city, but try them out. And there's no deposits. There's nothing weird, no stupid paperwork. You just jump on, get off, get on. It's, it's simplicity at its, in its purest form. So much so. We parked up, got on the Ego, we rode from uh, Sagrada La Familia, and we rode over about 12 minutes to the beach. Cost, I think, about, I think that was only about one euro so, somehow. It cost that little. Got there, and I said to Monica, we, we were chilling on, on the beach, and then we were about to head off, and I was about to choose a scooter. So I chose a scooter, put my helmet on. Monica put her, put her helmet on. Then I walked to her, I said, Monica, you you maneuver this scooter out and then you ride it over to me and monica's probably ridden for about 30 seconds in her life in bali on a 125cc scooter she has got as close to zero experience as you can imagine and monica without well this is how little she knows she said how do i go so i had to explain that you just twist your right wrist uh, and monica had figured out how to maneuver and ride over to me within the space of a minute and she absolutely loved it and that is how easy it is and that's what that's what's so great about these scooters because yeah i will often get told off if i'm on a motorbike and i'm not wearing all of the gear you know if you're not wearing the gloves or the jeans or the boots jacket etc etc and that's great but i always say if i'm riding at vespa speeds I don't feel the need to have to wear the full gear. And I know there's an argument for all the gear all the time. Me personally, I think if I'm riding at Vespa speeds, that's fine. Because, you know, on these little scooters where you're doing 30 to 40 kilometers an hour, you, you don't wear biking gear. You just wear whatever gear you've got, whether it's trainers or shorts or whether you've just finished a, a gym lesson or yada, 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 yada. It's just so easy. So you can dress up nice and smart, jump on the scooter, ride over to a bar in the evening, then have a nice half an hour walk back. Oh, it's brilliant. Okay, I'll move on, but I recommend it.
Oh, and also Barcelona, one thing I did want to say, everyone understands bikes. There's bike parking absolutely everywhere, everywhere. You don't need to worry about looking for parking. You don't need to worry about, oh, do I have to pay one pound a day and register with this app and that app? No, you just park anywhere you want. And everyone gets biking because such a huge huge amount of people have scooters in Barcelona it seems to be the mode of transport and everyone understands it and it's completely safe and it's respectful it's really really good right I'm moving on to I think it was in um, I think it was Ride magazine I was reading on the flight on the way back and it's something I've always wondered I'm, I'm glad they said this in the magazine the little article bikes are nowhere near as economical as they should be. And I was reading this thinking, I've always thought that. Why? Like, why is a motorbike kind of 42 mpg? You know, why aren't they 100 mpg? Let me give you an example. A BMW 5 Series, the new range, the diesel engines, they range, because I know some people do it, not mpg, apologies, mainly be the Americans and the Brits that do this, but you'll get an idea of relativity. BMW 5 Series... 40 to 58 mpg that's the miles per gallon that the brand new bmw 5 series diesel will do 40 to 58.9 let's say 40 to 60 mpg little toyota igo 57 miles per gallon okay so let's start off with that bmw 5 series it will do up to 60 miles per gallon now let's compare it to a harley davidson road king well, that would do 42 miles per gallon. Let's compare it to a BMW GS. From what I've seen from owners, it will get around about 50 miles per gallon. I've, I've seen some reports of in the 30s, but let's say 50 miles per gallon for the GS. The Triumph Bonneville T120, 63 mpg, the Royal Enfield Interceptor, 63 mpg, and the most I personally... The most I personally have ever managed to squeeze out of a motorbike, and this is being careful, is a Triumph Street Twin, and that got about 69 miles per gallon. That's the most I've ever got. So here's the question. Why, why are motorcycles no more economical than a 5 Series BMW? Why aren't they more economical than a 5 Series BMW? Why are they... Why are a lot of them less economical than that? Let's say that a lot of motorbikes out there are about the same. They have about the same economy as a car. The standard motorbike will probably have fairly similar miles per gallon to, I'm not even going to say a small car, a fairly mid-sized car. How can that be possible when motorbikes weigh, let's say on average, 200 kilograms and a small car will weigh again i'm guessing here a small car like a fiat 500 maybe 1300 kilograms and a bmw 5 series what's that going to weigh 1.9 tons 1900 kilograms how how can motorbikes not be more economical surely they should be over 100 miles per gallon surely they're light they're not carrying around five seats with air conditioning and a sound system and four wheels and four sets of suspension. I don't get it. I don't get how it's possible for motorbikes to be so uneconomical, relatively speaking. I really don't. I mean, look at the Interceptor. It's a lovely little bike, 650cc engine, about 200 kilos or so, 63 mpg. 
how is it not more than 63 mpg when it's six times lighter than a or five six times lighter than toyota igo i don't get it at all i really don't get it and i i think maybe the biking brands possibly need to do more maybe they do need to do more I think it's what Ride Magazine said, and I do agree. I think they probably need to do more to get this economy improved, get get these improvements in economy. They should be pushing 100 MPG, surely. I don't get it. Someone let me know. Right, okay. Oh, I, I just had to read a few of these. It's kind of harking back to the older days. Because when we we're in Barcelona, you know, it's... It, it surprised me. People, they still dress beautifully smartly in Barcelona. I think in the UK, we lost that a little bit. We, we lost, and I'm generalizing here massively, so apologies. But in the UK, somewhere along the line, we lost, you know, taking real pride in our appearance. Where I'm, where I live, where I lived, southeast London, it's quite common to go to the supermarket in your pajamas. That's how little we care. I mean, when Monica came over to the UK, she couldn't believe it. It's like, why are people going to the supermarket in their pajamas? We just, we just don't care. It's hard to explain. And when I posted the picture of my granddad in his pretty much full suit on his Norton motorcycle back in about 1950, I had some, some great comments, you know, from people saying that here's one of them. Like, listen to this. I love it. I worked on a building site. Uh, I worked on building site machines years ago uh, and a lot of the Irish labourers wore suits to work. Almost impossible to believe now. And again, someone else said, um, I like how people used to dress in those days. Wearing a suit was very normal, often even with a hat, not like nowadays when people go shopping wearing sweatpants and tank tops and crocs. I, yeah. Is it a UK thing? Let me know. I think the main I, mainland Europeans, I think the other Europeans dress much much smarter than the brits do now i really do you know if you go to to spain to germany beautifully dressed a front you know obviously the italians and french but we all know know that but most of them they're, they're gloriously well dressed the europeans absolutely beautiful we lost the way somewhere i don't know and oh yeah i just i really wanted just to kind of get on to that it's nothing biking related you know i just tried to link that to biking it's got nothing to do with biking at all so i'll move on but there we go that's what i thought when i saw my granddad in a suit and thank you for the input because yeah i i, I like hearing other people's opinions i can just imagine back in the day you know the irish laborers you know you're a, a laborer but you still take the pride in your appearance i i really like that attitude it's nice oh oh this is something i haven't prepared for Right, Fred, I got an email, Freddie. Check out the Merving RM1 electric bike. And I'm actually going to put this into Google as I speak to you. So Merving, Maving, sorry, Maving RM1 electric bike. M-A-V, M-A-E-V-I-N-G, M-A-E-V-I-N-G, RM1. Okay, this is what it says. A new player in the age of electric with over a century of British motorcycle engineering behind it, engineered for you, £4,995. In stock now. Okay. I'm speechless. Wow. This bike looks absolutely superb. Think of a mixture of a Royal Enfield Bullet 
mixed with a CCM motorcycle. It looks superb. It looks absolutely brilliant. I'm so happy. Thank you so much for sending this over. Okay, let me run down this for you. This, I, I recommend looking at this. I'm going to spell it out one more time. M-A-E-V-I-N-G. Maving RM1. The model is the RM1. Under £5,000. Oh, I didn't even see this. My lord, this is where it's a game changer. This is what really excites me. Removable battery included. This is exactly what I've always been saying. I always say motorbikes, electric bikes will never, ever, ever be viable city transport until you give it a removable battery. Well, guess what? Maving's come along and done it. It's my new favorite brand that I've heard about one second ago. You can charge from any plug socket, 45 miles per hour top speed. Well, that is more than enough because I had the time of my life doing 40 kilometers an hour in Barcelona, 40 to 80 miles of range. Fine. I'll let it off for that without any issue at all because it's got a removable battery. Zero emissions, free shipping, two-year warranty, sold. Where do I sign? Oh, God, they look so good. They've got loads of different colors as well. I'm, li I'm leaving this page open. I am going to do some proper research on this and I highly suggest that anyone with any interest in these bikes have a look at this because I'm just, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. I'm actually saving that. I'll get back to that. Okay, right. I move on. I move on. Um, oh, this is scary. Thank you for sending this article over. Um, I'm so sorry I didn't save your name, but listen to this. Oh, I'm in a, I'm in a panic here. Canadian police are warning that thieves are using Apple Air tags to track high-end vehicles. This is, this is worrying because I've spoken about this before. This is something that I, I, I was wondering if this is this a viable mode of security, and that is having an Apple Air tag and hiding it somewhere on your bike. Well, listen to this. While the intended, and this is coming from Unilad Tech on Instagram, while the intended purpose of the air tags is to help you find lost items, York Regional Police announced that its officers have investigated five incidents in which thieves placed and hid air tags on luxury vehicles parked in public. They would then track the targeted vehicles to its owner's home before breaking in and stealing it from there. This is incredible. Well, well done, thieves, because you're using trackers against vehicle owners now. They, they keep evolving, these thieves. They never stop. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Right, moving on. Next article. Shortage of E5 petrol. I've been talking about this a lot, and this is not going away. Uh, I've spoken about this a lot. Okay, e E10 petrol in the UK has come along, and it's replacing E5 petrol. Basically, it means it's got 10% ethanol. It, in theory, is more environmentally friendly, but it is savagely bad for any vehicle, uh, probably 10 to 15 years or older, so much so that it can actually completely destroy your engine. So any classic car, motorbike owners, you've got to be extremely careful. For now, the original E5 petrol is still being sold everywhere. However, we've j I've just found out that in the UK, some petrol stations are already struggling to actually stock the original E5 fuel. So there's a very good chance if you're a classic vehicle owner and you'll go to a petrol station, you will not be able to find the e E5 fuel. You will have to use the E10 fuel, which will ruin your classic vehicle engine. And in five years, 
There's only a deal for a transition period of five years going from the E5 to E10 fuel. That basically means that in five years, in theory, no petrol stations will have to stock the E5 fuel, meaning that in theory, I don't know what you're going to be able to do as a classic vehicle owner. Hope that some additive comes along that you'll be able to put in your vehicle. From what I've seen, there isn't an absolute answer with these additives that, you know, completely protect your vehicle. So this is a big problem. This is a big problem, 100%. I'm going to read something here from a magazine I really like, and that is Classic Car Magazine. Okay, right. Let me just get to the exact point I want to get to. Okay, so basically they're saying even some relatively modern cars, um, it's for cars, but it's exactly the same process for bikes. So even some relatively modern cars aren't necessarily suitable for use with the E10 fuel. So larger garages must still sell the current less than 5% ethanol high octane super for at least the next five years. It costs 15p a litre more, but surely that's compensated by the exciting names that you get, yada, 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 yada. Okay, and the final bit I wanted to read to you. Chair of the all-party parliamentary historic vehicle group, Sir Greg Knight MP, is warning the public to be alert to the to be alert and exercise extreme caution before using the E10 blend as he points out that it's not just the owners of historic cars who may need to avoid using the blend of petrol. The Department for Transport requires the continued availability of the protection grade lower ethanol content E5 fuel for older vehicles as they are not compatible with the higher ethanol content contained in E10. The protection grade fuel is a high octane 97 plus. Uh, Sir Greg questions the effectiveness of the vague warnings that have so far been given out on incorrect E10 use. I've said it before many times, but really this isn't going away. I've been invited and I've signed uh, quite a few petitions saying, uh, you know, you, you got to keep, you got to keep this fuel going. You got to keep it going for all these classic vehicle enthusiasts. So I'll be keeping an eye on that and I'll keep you posted. Right. I got, I got a lovely email actually from a, a Spanish rider. Hi, Freddie. And I'll, I'll shorten it as much as possible. This is to, to end on because I want to read this out and then kind of see if I can find, you know, a, a good, a good bike that fits in with this. <coughs> Hi Freddy, I'm a guy from Spain, specifically from Galicia, which is a beautiful region in the northwest part of Spain, uh, which has very similar scenery and weather to England, so I came across your channel a few months ago. I started to appreciate my motorbike, a Honda CB250 from the year 2000, which I attach a picture of. Beautiful, classic, just old Honda, and it looks absolutely timeless, really beautiful thing, my kind of bike. I continue. I felt that the classic bikes and the modern classics are the ones that best suit me and combine with my style. Before that, I only wanted the bike to learn how to ride and then move up to a more powerful bike. But I discovered that what I wanted most is to ride calmly and pay attention to the different sceneries and villages that I'm finding while riding. Traveling on a motorbike is one of the best experiences I've had in my life and I hope to continue doing it all my life. If things go well in the future, I expect to buy a partner for my little Honda. There are a lot of models out there in the market like Bonneville's V7's Interceptors, the brand new BSA and W800. I think I'd actually put the exact same shortlist as of that for my bike, but it got me thinking. 
because I love stuff like this. You know, you've got a little Honda CB250 there. And, you know, we all, and I'm guilty of it as well, you know, you always think that you need to upgrade and upgrade. And sometimes it's just that pure, simple riding pleasure, just sitting back. No point even trying to go fast because it's not going to happen. Just enjoying the scenery around you. So I thought, okay, let's find a good looking, a good looking, good value bike. It's just good for easy cruising. And I, I am now shocked because used motorcycle prices, I think this is probably happening around the world. I've had a few Australians and Americans saying the same thing. Used vehicle prices are going up with all of the issues with semiconductors and supply chain issues and things like that. So much so that if I put into Auto Trader in the UK, I want a motorbike, 500cc plus, year 2010 plus, just so we don't have any issue with the, the fueling that I've talked about. And the, the choice is scarily small. So the cheapest motorbike, I won't talk about scooters, the cheapest motorbike is 2,000 pounds. And you know the interesting thing is, the cheapest, one, two, the cheapest two motorbikes right now for sale from 2010 onwards, 500cc minimum, are two BMWs. Who would have guessed that? BMW F800S and a BMW G650. I'd never have guessed that two BMWs would be the cheapest motorbikes. I guess they're, they're not as desirable models, but, but really, I'm flicking through here now. I'm getting onto page two. And, you know, you're looking at uh, Hyosong, Song, that's a Chinese one. Uh, you know, you're onto 2.5k before you know it for, you know, Suzuki SV650, 2.5k. Cheap bikes, they, they don't exist. If I look now, let's flip to page four. I'm going to see if I can see anything that, for me, I like. You know, kind of, you know, that classic styles. You know, you've got a few sports tours, Yamaha... Honda CBR 600 from 2012, £3,300. Okay, let me go to page seven just to see if I can see anything. Okay, when you get to £3,000 mark, you're looking at you're looking at 11-year-old Honda CBF 1100s, sports tours, these kind of, you know, Japanese sports tours, Honda CBF, Honda CBF 1000, Honda CBF 1000, sorry, £3,000. Or you could get a Yamaha XJ6, 11-year-old bike, £3,000. You know, th these, you know, these bikes, Kawasaki ER6F, 2013, eight years old, 20,000 miles on the clock, £3,000. The, the bike market is, is very, very strong, really very strong at the moment. Uh, four-year-old Royal Enfield Continental GT, the old model, the, the 535cc model, that's £3,000. You know, these bikes, bikes are now probably in reality going up in value, but they're at the very least holding their own. They've completely bottomed out now. It looks like if you want a, a bike that you can use every day in the cities, you're going to be having to spend absolute minimum in reality, two to three K. When I remember it was it was closer to twelve hundred not so long ago. Things are getting things are changing in the used vehicle industry at the moment. They really are. So it got me thinking, I've said this before, because I can't find anything that I really want. This is scary. This really is scary. 
below 4K in the used market. I really can't. I really mean that. I can't really find anything below £4,000 that I want. So it leaves me that I've, I've been led this path a few times now. I'm going back to new bikes. And bear in mind, I've never bought a new bike in my life, but I'm really thinking that if I were to buy a bike, I would have to go new. And I'm led to a bike I've been led to before, the Honda Rebel, the 500cc Honda Rebel, a bike that I've never, I've never ridden even in my life or even touched in my life. But it looks brilliant. It's everything that I'd want in a bike. It's 500cc. It looks superb. It's an easy riding kind of bike, 471cc. And I don't think you can go too far wrong with that. It's only 190 kilos as well. I think you you do a lot worse than look at a bike like a Honda 500 Rebel if you're looking for, you know, a, a more budget level bike. Because the Royal Enfield Interceptor, this is a bike that's made headlines everywhere. The Interceptor coming in, I think it's about £5,800 now, something like that, maybe 5859 the Honda's about the same price. I mean, that that is incredible. The Honda, the Honda 500, I've just completely forgotten the model name now. Totally forgotten it. Desperately scrolling through to see if I can find it. Honda. How have I forgotten the name? Rebel. Honda Rebel. Honda Rebel 500. It's £5,800. And the Interceptor's about £5,800. Yet the Interceptor is getting all of the headlines. And I'm a huge Interceptor fan. I would absolutely buy one. It's one of my favourite bikes. But I think that the little Rebel, actually, I know I'm seeing it more and more now. I am. I am seeing it more and more. So I'm sure it's doing well. But it deserves, and I've never ridden it, so I can't talk about the ride. But I think it, it really does deserve... Uh, a round of applause Honda deserve a round of applause for what they've done with this it is a beautiful looking bike and I th- I really do think this will get youngsters into biking I I think it's about three times now I've been drawn to this rebel I really need to try one because I think I think this bike deserves a lot of praise and we'll leave it there oh god that's good we'll leave it there thank you so much for sticking around for this episode. Have an incredible week and I'll speak to you next week.